Oh yeah, um, Callum, you're probably seething because of that um, Bob Semple tank 135th I just got. The NZLEV is being topped up right now. Oh, I'm on my way. Way to get it. That's right. I sometimes question where you get all this money for your stuff. Agreed. Work. Is that why you have to leave so suddenly after the podcast? Because you have to do your night job. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the that's all the Wilhelm screams. That's just all his uh, clients getting lined up. You're right. You're right. On the street corners at night, guys. He's not recording from a, a closet. He's recording from a Winnebago. <laughs> oh God! Hey, if you need help, mute yourself twice. I see. <laughs> well. You are listening to the Micro Machines podcast. This week, we are talking about tanks that are kicked out of planes. Yay. Woohoo! Shall we do some introductions? Send it. Well, I am Dennis. I am recording here from sweaty Ontario. That's a first. Um, if you hear any uh, loud explosions around me, it's not because I'm recording to you guys from uh, Ukraine. I am recording. Um, prior to Victoria Day, so there's a lot of fireworks going on. Lovely. Wait, I've got me, Callum, the guy from the Southern Hemisphere. Yep, I'm just in my room. It is still hot, but also cold at the moment. It's coming on to winter, so heat is on full blast now. Um, Ezra in beautiful New Mexico right now. The weather is perfect although uh when you go outside you start choking on all the ash that's around it's pretty bad oh well my name's greg i'm down here in socal living it up with the ocean clouds and cool breeze very jealous of you right now yeah y'all can suck it shut up greg (laughs) (laughs) shut up greg okay well if we are to talk about uh airborne tanks i think First off, we should ask ourselves, why would we have an airborne tank in the first place? Because America. Yes. All right, next slide. (laughs) End of podcast. Good discussion, guys. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. So um, what I want to attract y'all's attention to is this photo down here. Does anyone recognize this photo? It's a bridge from Holland. Is it a bridge that's too far? Oh, my God. It's postscriptum. Shut That's, up. Uh, what's his name, Sir Arthur Digby? With the uh, umbrella. Yes, so I think we all have picked up on this. This is the bridge. Uh, this is the Arnhem Bridge. Um, By Nine Megan, right? I, I think this is Arnhem. Callum, uh, 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 that one's that one's Arnhem. I've been I've walked across that one. Lucky. Well, good for you. Were you in camo while you were doing that? <laughs> No. Okay, so now what uh, operation was this photo from? Market Garden. Market Garden, exactly. Now, one of the ideas of Market Garden, right, was that you would have basically two main parts, Market and Garden. With uh, Basically, one part was you had paratroopers, right, Um, who would go and seize key bridges along various, uh, you know, parts of the, I think it was the Rhine. Um, basically trying to secure the advance of tank units and armored units to go into the Rhineland. The problem with this was that you've got basically this contrast, this dichotomy between the very heavily armored you know, tank units like the uh, British 30 Corps, which are advancing north, 
um, over the bridges that the very lightly equipped paratroopers have. And of course, one of the main issues that we, was encountered by the paratroopers was they had a pretty big lack of armored support. They didn't have the sort of weaponry they needed to, you know, uh, advance under fire. They couldn't knock out enemy tanks. They couldn't really do any tank things, right? Because they had no armor to do so. Although, so, I will interject, they, uh, they weren't really expecting, you know, the second SS Panzer group, um, division to be there. No, this is true. Yeah. You know, this is where fact, Ezra shines. Fun fact that Panzer Division turned up literally like the day before the invasion. Like they just got there. And then it's like, oh, the paratroopers dropped in and it's like, oh, what's this King Tiger doing here? <laughs> See, if they Tiger aren't stugs, I don't, dis- I don't support it. Well, there were plenty of stugs in Holland, let me tell you. Also, as you'd be having noticed, plenty of burnt out stugs. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's like Ukraine, but what was it, 44 September? Yeah. We're just I traumatizing. See nothing, I hear nothing. We're just traumatizing Ezra by sending him like pictures of burnt out stugs all night. He's going to cry to his clients. <laughs> 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 no, they got to pay extra for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole deal. Oh, God. So. Essentially, like I think Market Garden is a good example of why. Fair I don't enough. think it is a good example. <laughs> Neither does Ezra. <laughs> Market Garden is an example of why it might be a, a kind of not just a novel idea, but maybe a good idea that if you've got an airborne unit like paratroopers, right, you might want to figure out how to give them armored support because, as we like to think on this podcast, tanks are rad, right? Tanks are cool. Hell yeah, they are. You should have one. Yes. So, what we are going to be talking about tonight is basically all of the various attempts to make tanks or other such armored fighting vehicles, which can be either airdropped or landed very quickly by aircraft or even just, you know, carried by aircraft from one spot to another and offloaded very quickly. It's the whole idea of the airborne tank. So, if we may, let's go to our very first, like, semblance of any sort of airborne tank that is such a russian thing to do that looks so safe i love it see it's got wings right but it's also a tank so the german gunners don't know whether they should use anti-aircraft or anti-tank shells right? that's fine they'll use the 88 work for both yeah well that, that's a that's a t60 or t70 under that anything will go through it oh yeah so before we can talk about the wingy thingy i think we should probably talk about some of the Soviet, like the pre-war Soviet attempts to make an airborne tank. And I've got to hand it to these guys because they really went all out with the idea. So what you see right here is a TB, sorry, not TB, a T-27 tank, yet, which is sort of loosely based off the Cardin Lloyd. Um, it's like, you know, in the pre-war, you had a lot of these sort of tankettes, which are all sort of the same. Well, this is one of them, right? And it's being suspended under a TB-3 bomber, which was one of the Soviet pre-war bomber designs. And basically, and follow my logic here, the idea was they were trying to you know, create a big paratrooper force, right? And they wanted to give them tanks. So this bomber would fly at low level and would drop the tank onto oh, the ground. No parachute. Yeah. No parachute, oh, nothing. They would just drop it. With the crew inside. I don't believe so. Okay, I was about to say. Now, the, the, on these on these bombers, the crew would have been with the rest of the infantry or supporting, and they would have been sitting on top of the wing. 
and that's how they deployed off these bombers. That's they sat right, on, they right, sat on the right, wing and they just yeah. let go. Yep. Oh, silly me. How did I not know that? I love I love pre war Russia. That, that, what a, what a <laughs> weird place. They just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> you know. All right. So I have a bit of an anecdote with this design. So this was like one of the first I like concepts of the airborne tank. It was realized after some you know tests with the TB three bomber carrying this little tank yet that simply dropping this big piece of metal onto the ground is not necessarily conducive to it like remaining intact after it comes to a halt. But one thing they did realize is if the snow, if you drop it during winter and the snow is very deep, it might just survive. So the doctrine was you drop it in the deep snow. Uh, oh, God. Okay. Yeah. But what if it's there's, summer? Yeah, there's so many things wrong with that. <laughs> Simply creates a strip of snow. This is this that, is you not know what? Pilot. This make this this comes full circle. You think about it. <laughs> Russia fights doctrinally. They always attack. During like right before the spring thaw, always. So, it makes sense for Russia. Does it make sense anywhere else? No. So yeah, that that's the uh, like that's kind of like the, I, I guess we could call it sort of the mother of airborne tanks. Just this idea of yeah, we've got a little tankette, drop it. No no parachute, nothing. Right. So. This kind of leads into this, this, which is the Antonov AN-40. And as was pointed out earlier, this is basically just a T-70. Yeah, T sorry, no. Was it a T-70? I think... Uh, it looks like a T-60. No, it's a T-60. Yeah, it's T-60 has a 20 mil. Yeah. So you've got a T-60 light tank, which basically has this large detachable biplane setup going on here. And it was a glider, and the idea was that you would have a TB3 tow this glider up into the air, and it would you know tow it along until it reached the area where paratroopers are dropping. It would then be detached, and like say you know gliders uh, later on, like the Hamilcar, it would just glide in and support the paratroopers after landing and detaching the wing. Um, one was built, I believe they actually did try it, but it was a complete failure. It, it was like just absolutely awful. Really. No way. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I want to point out here, though, and this is going to be a common theme, right? Especially with our earlier uh, airborne tank uh, attempts. So in order to make the T-60 light enough to actually be, you know, uh, air be able to actually take off. So you had to basically take off. I think it was the M you needed to take out the crew, the ammunition, uh, what was the other thing? I think most of the fuel. I think they could leave a little bit of fuel in this, but the, it, it was basically running on on fumes from the moment. What the it, fuck? Yeah. So I, everything basically that makes this tank workable had to be taken off. So that That's... that was landing with a near empty tank of gas, and I assume it was early war, so full of petrol. So it would have just been. It would have just had a tank full of. Petrol fumes, right? More or less, yeah. And you're dropping it, which is going to create movement and possibly sparks. Yes. All I'm just seeing is a big iron bomb. But, but Callum, you see flying tank. I'd also <laughs> like to point out uh, they had to remove the armament for this to work. So you're literally landing something which can run for maybe five minutes. It's a petrol bomb, uh, uh, you know, as Callum points out. It has no armament. It has no uh, ammunition. It has very little armor, 
and it has no crew. Okay, please tell me, for the love of Christ, how this thing <clears throat> actually gets all this shit before it's captured or just forgotten. Yeah, it just seems easier to drop it on the Germans like a Russian kamikaze. You, I guess it kind of does make sense. You could, you know, load it up with explosives, and because it's not piloted in any ways, or <laughs> yeah, well, you hope it's not. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's a glorious sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're you're gonna die tonight, one way or the other, for the motherland. So you you pick or choose. So the uh, the Antonov A forty is you know it's a horrible idea. It's a bad design. However, it is pretty important because it does influence some of the most, I guess, I, 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 we could call them the purest airborne tanks, which we'll talk about now. Because now, oh. Oh, look at oh, that. Oh, for God's no. sake. Oh, God, Ezra! <laughs> he even left in like the, 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 the background, like you're supposed to remove that. <laughs> Ezra, okay, look, you, you should have added a War Thunder meme, not fucking... <laughs> anime fairy no, bitch no no no, 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 no i can't no. do this anymore man i can't before do it. you got on greg dennis told me to add an anime i, I didn't tell you to add that <laughs> <laughs> i like this is okay this little drawing it's cute it's a little tiger drawn onto an m22 that's nice what you've done is just cancel us again <laughs> what you've done is just made me make another sense of uh... <laughs> hell yeah Wait, you're fully clothed. Thing. It's fine. It even has the correct muzzle attachment. <laughs> you got that right. Ugh. You're welcome. Okay. Props for them. Ugh. Okay, I had to so get that gonna... by looking up uh, anime M22 Locust. One day I'm going to hack your search history. That's what I'm going to leak it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So Go ahead. You may be wondering, yo, Dennis, what's the common thread between the absolute monstrosity we saw just a minute before and the absolute monstrosity we are seeing now, and that is the glider. So during the Second World War, like there, everyone had this epiphany, right? You because like the transport aircraft of the time were not really suited to carrying vehicles, right? I mean, the most you could really carry on, say, a C forty-seven, was a jeep, right? And you couldn't really just airdrop that out. So airdropping tanks was really, you know, not going to happen. But during the war, during the war uh, glider technology had really progressed. So what you ended up having was a whole bunch of different gliders, one of which was the Hamilcar, which is what we see here behind the tank. And this was designed as a kind of a, like a heavy transport. And basically you have two tanks which are developed around this glider. Uh, the first one of which is the M22 Locust. So this one, um, it's pretty cool. It's this light tank developed by the Americans. Um, it's uh, got reasonably good mobility. It's got a pretty good engine. I'm just trying to remember which one exactly it had. Uh, I believe it was, it was a Lycoming 0435T. It was a six-cylinder uh, horizontal engine. And it generated 165 horsepower, which is actually really good because it meant it had a 25.8 horsepower to ton ratio so this thing scooted right which is exactly what you might want out of a light tank which is sort of supporting paratroopers you know in uh, almost like a scout role and it also had a 37 millimeter gun so yeah it, was it also has the ability to become the biggest meme of war thunder yes <laughs> see see if the british only had this in arnhem they could have rushed the d point 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and even though it looks small, uh, the chieftain does fit fit inside it. He does. He, yes. he did a video proving that. Huh. Wait, isn't this thing at like uh, a BR of like six point zero in War Thunder? Like, isn't it at some ridiculously high BR? Mm, I'm not sure. Don't think that. so. I think it's like. I think it's like battle rating of three. So, a bit of an interesting history within, you know, kind of the active service of this thing. So, originally, the British had wanted to use this for Operation Tonga, which was basically the British operations uh, during June 6th, during the night of June 6th, I should say. And they did actually get landed by the Hamilcar gliders um, and immediately found out that they were completely outclassed by, and Ezra, you will like this, Sturmgeschutz. Uh, yes. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not. No, you cope and seethe. So they were used in very limited numbers um, during the invasion of Normandy. weren't really that useful, just because again you're using a very lightly armored tank um, with a very light armament. But they were very useful for scouting around. Their main use would be during Operation Varsity when the Six Airborne. Uh, the vision would basically you know, help to secure uh, various bridgeheads over the Rhine. Yeah. Uh, they landed a number of these. Uh, it was eight of them. And one didn't make it. One just broke away from the glider and disintegrated. But um, <laughs> six, all That shouldn't all, be funny, but it is. <laughs> well, at least the crews weren't in them at the time. Um. Oh. So six locusts landed, um, but yeah, they actually were able to do just like a little bit of support duties to make a long story short. Um, after the war, they were actually used by the Israelis for a bit. So that is the locust. Now we have to talk about the Tetrarch. So when the locust was being developed, the British were basically developing like a counterpart to it that could also be used in a Hamilcar glider. Uh, the Tetrarch was used uh, significantly more often than, than the Locust was, both in Operation Varsity and in uh, Normandy. Uh, they basically made two versions of the Tetrarch. One had a 40mm 2-pounder. The other one had a 76mm 3-inch howitzer. And these were basically used uh, mainly to support infantry, to support the airborne infantry. Can I just say that the Tetrarch um, honestly looks cuter than the Locust? It does. Look at those four wheels right there, bro. I know, and the, and the tracks. It looks like something a kid would draw, and then they just threw it up on the yeah. fucking battlefield. You know, it's funny. You look at the uh, the image on the right. Like You see the driver in it. It looks like he's got a ton of room in there. It was actually for what it was. It's a big tank. Like, yeah. Look at it and think, there's no way they would put this in the glider. They did. But then, and you said it's a crew of what? I uh, believe it was a crew of oh bugger three. I'm about to say it looks like a three three. Yeah, crew. yeah. But you you look at it on the left, and it looks pretty small. And then you look at it on the right, and it's like, oh, actually, that's big. And <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm just gonna leave that there. I'll let you guys fill that in. Yes, yes, I. <laughs> I gotta tell her. 
<laughs> oh, I just noticed. Look at how cute and little the um, teeth are on the drive sprocket. I think it's average. <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> Those are normal size. Those might even be kind of big. Okay. Don't. Hey, it's, don't I, I assure you. This was hey, not it's winter. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, interestingly, with this, it was not originally designed to be a, an airborne tank. It was actually originally designed just as a light tank. Uh, however, it was just small enough. <laughs> It was the perfect size for smooth entry and exit out of the glider. It, yes. it, actually, it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't have to remove anything, which was quite nice. But I guess one of the advantages of it having not been originally designed for that airborne role was that it was actually fairly well armed, considering we did have a two-pounder, which was still an anti-tank gun such as it was, um, it was, you know, okay armored, but it also had fairly decent mo- uh, vision, right? Which is obviously really important, especially in the, if you're in a kind of a recon role, because you can just open the top right off of this. It was basically a, a convertible. That's pretty tits. So again, these were used um, in, in uh, Allied Airborne Operations, both Tonga and Varsity. Also, though, a few of them were actually sent in Ledleys to the Soviet Union. About 20 of them. Huh. Did they actually utilize them? Uh, I believe they... Mm, yes, it says here that in September 1943, uh, two Tetrarchs were assigned to the 132nd Separated Tank Battalion, which was in the 5th Guards Tank Brigade. Both tanks were destroyed in combat. <laughs> One of which was a casualty of artillery fire. Oh, get fucked. <laughs> no, you're going to see a picture coming out of the Ukraine of a Tetrarch painted in 4BO with Z's painted on it. I mean, hell, they've got shopping carts with the Z's, so it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, my lord. So that yeah, that's was- right. So both this and the Locust are often considered to be sort of your, your uh, what would you call it? You kind of like the purest airborne tanks because of all the tanks we're going to talk about today, these ones were designed specifically to be carried by gliders to be airdropped right alongside para- paratroopers and then to drive into battle to support them directly, right? This is kind of like your, your doctrinal and structural purist uh, interpretation of what an airborne tank is. They existed in this sort of point in time, which was World War II, where you could get away with a design like this. You could get away with that sort of idea. Um, what we're going to see kind of going forward, though, is sort of various deviations from this idea of what makes an airborne tank and what it should do. The Russians are over there like the SpongeBob and Patrick meme. Write that down. Write that down. Well, they kind of did. Um, so this is the ASU-57 uh, it was designed from the ni- from 1951 to the late 60s, and this one was a, a it was an assault gun, but it was an airborne assault gun. And the idea for these were they were actually parachuted in um, from an AN12, hmm. so it's ex- incredibly lightly armored. It's only got a, between six to thirty mil of armor. It's armed with a 57 millimeter gun. And it's actually 
the uh, the engine, the M20E4 engine, was taken from a Gaz M20, which is a civilian car with about 50 horsepower. Greg, That's are you thinking what I'm dense. thinking? What are you thinking? This is the prelude. This is the, the structural ancestor to the tow prize. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It literally is. It um, literally is. Oh, my God, I love the VDV now. Yeah. So this thing, like when I say it's light, it's lightly armored, as basically all airborne um, vehicles are. I've just just been reading the hey, nine point five millimeters is more than enough. <laughs> the uh, the armor was only intended to resist rifle caliber bullets fired by infantry and could be defeated easily by heavy machine guns such as the twelve point seven millimeter M M two Browning. Imagine this yeah. running into just like uh, an M sixteen. Oh, and also, um, the top of the tank was completely open and thus exposed the crew to both the elements to the elements and enemy fire, especially in the form of grenades. If the crew stood up completely in the tank, their heads would be in view. <laughs> nice. Did I hear H-E-A-P? <laughs> but so this operation. is like a... Um, it's like an archer. It's like an archer, but with no redeeming characteristics. The Archer and Redeeming Characteristics. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, Hall Ezra off the podcast, please. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, Jack materialized to uh, come I was and about Ezra. to say, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, just, how convenient. I just appeared. All right, Jack. Jack, you know Hi, what to do. Uh, please go and uh, kill Ezra. Oh, yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> he'll be there, so uh, nice. He'll be there in five to 12 business days. <laughs> I'll find Should myself forcibly removed from the podcast. <laughs> well, so, Dennis, according to uh, to Canadian Post, they said five to seven. So we'll we'll see how quickly uh, Jack gets there. I, I I'm gonna have to like uh, berate Ezra into getting his 3D printer working again because I just think Canada Post is gonna continuously shred my envelopes, even though I pay extra money for them to be padded. Oh, sounds like Canada Post. <laughs> One of your um, packages you sent me, Dennis, got shredded. You yeah. sent me decals for the Grizzly. Yeah. They, Wait, they how like do we... Just, they just like to shred everything that might bring me or anyone else joy. So this shredding, not to get too off topic, but what exactly, how do we get notified of the shredding? Uh, you wait long enough and either it doesn't come or it does and everything's completely destroyed uh, but for then just let me know and I'll send you new ones or again we'll just bully Ezra and he'll send you them my printer right now is hanging on by like hot glue dude how did you manage to break a, a, an all in one 3D printer I didn't break it the, something is wrong with my FEP screens excuses excuses yeah, you know, okay, sounds hold on, like hold somebody on. broke it I don't want to like digress too much here but Ezra, you you have an exposure time of what fifty seconds? Yeah, 55. and you want to tell me that there's something wrong with your FEP screens? I know exactly what's wrong with your FEP screens, my boy. You were exposing them to UV light for fifty seconds at a time for thousands of uh, of layers. I mean, that could be the problem. Hey guys, welcome to the Micro Machines podcast where we talk about what not to do for your resident printers. Okay, pro tip from Micro Machines: <laughs> never set your FEP like your bomb exposure time on a Creality uh, 
Well, you LDR have to, 002. Thank you. Don't set it to 50 seconds because you will burn your FEP film and then you're going to be like Ezra and like, oh my God, why did the, does my FEP film not work? No, no, it hasn't burned through my FEP film. The problem is it leaks around the edges. Yes, exactly. Ugh. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. So, a question for you, Callum. Yeah. Okay. Wait. I see so, big helicopters. You go ahead, Jack. I I just well I don't know what's going on here. We're doing the ASU or. So this is all about airborne tanks. vehicles and tanks. Oh hell yeah. Okay. We've got a tight ship here. We just have people just randomly showing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Cal, I see big helicopters, right? Yep. Now you said these were air, like airdrop, like but with a parachute. I'm mm-hmm. assuming though the idea was also that they could be dropped by helicopters. Uh, yes. Brought down. Um, the ASU 57 was used in battles around Aravia and oh god, I'm not pronouncing that one. Uh. This was in Ethiopia. They were used and Somalia, and they were dropped with MI6 helicopters. So yeah, they were, they could be dropped by a helicopter as well. Oh, there'd be an anti-aircraft gunner just watching these helicopters come in. Well, shall we now talk about the bigger cousin of this? Why not? Wait, before so, we move on. Oh yeah. Before we move on, two things. Dennis, can you refresh the slides? Because I inserted a picture I'm very excited about. You'll see it later. <laughs> uh, you know I'm what? I, I think you shouldn't ask me. I think you should ask Callum if he wants to add another sensor bar. Uh, do it. All right, fine. <laughs> I'm not excited in that way. Don't worry. Uh, Thank you. And the second welcome. thing is, I was giving it some thought. And, okay, the archer isn't that bad. It, no shit. No you're shit. Right. It's the best tank destroyer of the entire Second World War. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, you guys have to back me up on this one. You don't want to mm, like. I, I think. Uh, I think a fourteen-year-old with a, a Panzerfaust is a little bit better than the Archer. Yeah, exactly. See, look what you've just done. You've emboldened the Weribu <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> don't support the only We can counter the, the Weribu. doesn't have to worry about a fourteen-year-old with a Panzerfaust. Look does what it? you guys have done. The only way, yeah, I'm not sorry. The only way this <laughs> branch of the like the the freedom loving, liberty enjoying branch of the Micro Machines podcast can combat Weribooism is to support Maple Booism. Okay, that doesn't sound very freedom loving. It, it's the domino effect, right? Like first one guy starts liking Stooks, then the next guy like start, starts liking Stooks. We have to counter this with Archer loving. But listen, I can love all Canadian armor. But still like the stug. No. That's like saying you're married and love your wife, but you love the neighbor's wife too. <laughs> <laughs> Juice chair. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. You done then? Two questions. Good. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. So this is the big brother to the ASU fifty-seven. This is the ASU eighty-five. Which uh, replaced it because they wanted something a bit bigger, heavier, better armed, with a roof. Um, mm, so do. this is actually built on the chassis of the PT-76. And, oh, yeah. uh, so that's the Amphibious. And it was armed with, so we've got the D-70 85mm. 
And it's got a little bit more armor. It's got 40 to 45 millimeters of armor. Oh, that's not bad. So this is this again was also to be dropped from aircraft and helicopters and whatnot. So this is it's basically the VDV's version of the SU eighty five. Okay. Yeah. So fucks with it. Yeah, honestly, that doesn't seem that bad. Nah, it's pretty good. Um, so it was used during the Soviet Afghan war. They. Uh, mm. They airdropped a whole bunch of these. Um, and Something. actually, in early 2016, Vietnam expressed interest in an upgrade package for these. <laughs> this with trophy APS and the crow's mount. <laughs> Imagine that schwacking like Hueys in Vietnam as they landed. Yeah. But they, so the, the gun on this could fire. Um, so they had the heat rounds, the HVAP. And uh, HE rounds, so they could it could penetrate up to about 192 millimeter of armor at there one kilometer. That's pretty Holy good. Holy shit, that's pretty good. One thing that I, I'm just thinking about right now is you said they were airdropped with the VDV in Afghanistan. Something about very tall mountain passes, and this with its limited <laughs> elevation just tells me. Uh, are you see? Are you saying Soviet design at Soviet design's biggest enemy right now is mountainous ranges. Well, all I'm saying is <laughs> I fully expect to have to one day see a, an image of one of these on one of those roads through the mountain passes with a ZSU-23 uh, duct tape to the roof. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's basically um, Russia's contribution to the uh, air mobile tank. Those two trash. And oh this, this I found, this is the Humber Hornet, which is a British, um, British and Australian uh, units use this a lot. Of course, well, it's they wanted to. Uh, so, so it carries a, uh, as you can see on the back, it carries an anti-tank guided missile. And these things look huge. It does look big. Yeah, you can see it. I like the fact on this they're um, they're folding deployable. That but, is pretty um, cool. Yeah, you could go hold down with that. <laughs> so ba so this is built on the um, the FV one six one one Humber, um, also known as the Pig, which is a one ton four wheel drive armored truck. So they've just taken the back half off and put a uh, an anti tank anti tank missile carrier on it. Um, so this was transported in the air with a Blackburn. Uh, Beverly, and it was airdropped on a cluster of six special parachutes. So this one was also airdropped. Huh. So say, say what you will, this actually seems like a pretty good idea. Like yeah. It gives the paratroopers something that's fast, but it also can probably knock out any of the battle tanks for the day. Oh, um, the Malkara missile, which is what it's got attached to it, um has a 27 kilogram warhead and it was the largest war warhead ever fitted to an anti-tank weapon. I'll say. <laughs> I think that's just to try and get through, I don't know, an IS-4 or something like that. So this Imagine. was, uh, um, so it's a guide by, guide by wire system. So it was a, uh, yeah. 
and it was uh remain so it was introduced in where the hell is it just saw it just saw it introduced around the 50s and it's uh no yeah 1950s it was produced and it was replaced in the 1970s where by the um ferret armored car mark 5 armed with swing fires like just imagine you uh, a bmp1 crewman see this thing pop over the hill i would actually get pretty mass. nervous yeah well actually that's a good point you could you could literally hide behind a hill and then just have the missile just raise up above it i what think that's probably the idea wasn't that a common thing though with the British vehicles? Because I remember reading about the ferret with the, the missiles that came back in the you know out in the seventies, where you could dis you could like take the command launch unit of the missiles off the ferret, right? So you could park the ferret behind the hill, you know, put the command launch unit on the hill where you're like a t no one can even see you, and you could command them from there. Huh. I believe the Tank Museum made a, a post on Instagram about that one time. That's actually pretty neat. The Brits are... Say what you will about the Brits. They've got some pretty neat inventions and ideas, especially about anti-tank warfare. It's all very Wallace and Gromit. <coughs> Wallace! Uh. So, yeah. What's next? Whoa. What the fuck is Whoa. that? <laughs> Perfect. It looks like something that would be in an Australian's backyard to go running around the outback in. This is actually French. Special. It's French. You're kidding, right? French. It's French. That does not look French at all. No, actually, actually, no. It looks very French. Yeah. Is Anyone want a flag on the front? No. As much as you'd like it to be. <laughs> Any, anyone want to try and pronounce this one? La Fraudier. Is that the guy from Shrek? <laughs> hey! That's the first thing I thought. <laughs> Laura Fraudier. So th this is, um, well, I'll put this one just as a bit of a piss take, but it's actually an interesting concept. It was to help, it was to be dropped with troops, the uh, French troops, uh, just to carry around stuff. Which is not a bad idea, really. Um, so, and it's actually, this thing could tow up to about 800 kilograms, and it usually towed a 120 millimeter mortar. Wow. So, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. So, a C 130 Hercules or C 160 could carry up to six, uh, six for air dropping or 12 as general cargo. And then also a Puma, a helicopter, could carry one of these with the mortar attached to it. That'd be pretty cool. You have like a, a, the ability to just drop a mortar team wherever you want. I think that, yeah, I think that's the idea. And also you could, it was just used for running around, uh, carrying equipment and stuff like that. So like Doing it's not French things. Yeah. It's not a bad idea for a, for a uh, airborne vehicle. I mean, it fits under a support vehicle, so... It's a tank. But yeah. I just thought that would be a fun one to put in. And we stick with the French theme. Hey. You all sound so excited. Ew. 
Way. <laughs> hey, isn't isn't part of your country French, Dennis? Uh, we we, we don't, don't talk about them. Quebec. No, <laughs> no. You, you see, they want to leave so badly, so I think we we just don't acknowledge them anymore. Yeah, Fair I've enough. been muted this whole time. I feel like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just couldn't bear to talk about the French. <laughs> I really got in a fight with a few of them at uh, Niagara Falls when I was like six. Oh, real quick, real quick before we continue. Yep. So about that little car the French had, right? You said you could fit uh, like a 120 on the back and whatnot. Yep. Just imagine. You say you can fit three of them with the 120s and then six with uh, just regular, right? Uh, it was six. Six to be airdropped or 12 as regular cargo. Okay. Six to be airdropped. That's six 120s. Yeah. Imagine the amount of firepower you could just drop and go wherever the fuck they want. Like that. That is such, such a uh, like an ace card. Yeah. Yeah. With or, this, these weird French golf cart yeah. things. Or even better, <laughs> even better. I bet you could fit a toe on the back of that. <gasps> Probably oh, could. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really? like the podcast thing now is like what can we throw a toe on and, oh, okay but yeah. hear me out put a hybrid powertrain on it so it's very quiet <laughs> the original <laughs> nobody Chris. can hear you sn- put yeah hey See, <laughs> you all, do I'm that. Hearing, all I'm hearing is that you guys have a toe fetish <laughs> <laughs> I want to see toe missiles put on every civilian car. <laughs> I was about to say, please specify tow missile because knowing Ezra, he's going to be, hey, refresh the slides, and there's going to be pictures of toes, like actual toes, on human feet at the end of this fucking podcast. Like the one episode. Oh, yeah. it, it would be the second time. <laughs> How uh, many times do I have to teach you this lesson, old man? Uh, anyway, so this is this is the Panhard. AML, so it's a French armored um, armored car. There's quite a few. There's a. What are you giggling about? Continue, please. <laughs> I don't want to know. Oh no, <laughs> I'm scared. Um, yeah, fuck you guys, throwing me off now. Um, so this one, this one in particular is armed with a 90 millimeter cannon, uh, or. You could put a 60 mil brand mortar. Is that how you spell it? Pronounce it? Brand? That's what the uh, chieftain served in in Ireland. Was it? The one with the mortar, yeah. yeah. Oh. I did not Wasn't know that. Wasn't he uh, too big to fit in the driver's seat? Yeah, but they let him do... I think... What was it? They let him gun it or something? Yeah. <laughs> I knew Kim and Abrams, uh, commander. But yeah, so this is the... So this is a French, uh, French armored car and... This one could be airdropped or uh, carried in an aircraft and stuff like that. So just bear with. I can't tell if it's the perspective or not, but it looks like the um, the front right wheel is out of whack a little bit. I think that's just uh, the way that they turn. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, the angle of the camera, the, the angle of the, the wheels themselves and whatnot and the terrain. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Been bugging me for the past like minute. Yeah. 
That's okay, Ezra. You're only blocking up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look where the laser pointer is shining. It's like a fucking cat. Oh, crap. Oh, oh yeah. Nope. You're not allowed to see that. We've already Aww. covered it. No. This is a podcast favorite. Callum, do you have anything more to say about the pan hard? <sighs> I hate you guys sometimes. <laughs> The best bit, of, I I have full editing power, so I'm good. <laughs> it's just so nice to come home from a long day at work to this. It's just amazing. The pansexual tank. <laughs> oh, uh, skip on, skip on. But that, yeah, that's the right. French. All right. This is the M50 on to us. I think the same like group of people watch each of the of the podcasts. So like, you've already heard about this one. Um, yeah, you could put it in the helicopter though, which is pretty cool. Believe it or not, um, I think they weren't ever really used in that role, just because when they went to Vietnam with the Marine Corps, like they would just put them on boats. But in theory, it would be a pretty cool tank destroyer to have, just because again, the 106 at the time that it came out was pretty effective, right? You could knock out any main battle tank. Um, that was Soviet. So you think about it, like you have helicopters bringing these in. These are tiny. You can barely see them, right? Like they'd be amazing ambush vehicles. They just pop up in your rear areas. Also, Thanks to like, War Thunder, we know all about them. Yeah, Dennis, I hate to burst your bubble on something. Probably not Halliburton, eh? Oh, no, it was. Um, no, the 106 recoilless rifles couldn't take on the uh, MBTs. Really? They sucked. Edit. You're, you're I... telling me that firing a heat round, it couldn't like at least detrack one. It, it it proved it didn't stand up too well against them. That's why they ended up mainly using them against uh, houses and buildings and structures. So this is what yeah, happened. Dennis, when... didn't you listen to the podcast we all made? <laughs> no, I really didn't. Actually, I really Although, zoned out the whole time. Also, uh, I was high on Ezra's product. <laughs> also, I now have beef with on the bench podcast because they were talking. I was listening to their last, their latest episode, and they were talking about the 16th scale uh, model from Tacon being released on the Ontos. And one of them said they hate it. They said it's ugly what? and they don't like what? it. But they haven't and, even built oh, it yet. They've crossed the line now. So now they said it's ugly <laughs> and it's a stupid. They said it's a stupid idea for a tank, and now we've got a feud with them. Oh damn! Damn straight we do. Get their get their <laughs> fucking cheated. asses on this fucking podcast. I mean. <laughs> I mean, give them, give them some credit. They are Aussie, so you know. Well, uh, Aussies Aussie like killing things, and that is a great way to kill things. So the fact that they're you know hating on it is just against their you know traditions. Typical Aussie activity. And, and okay, the- I may have not been paying enough attention, but could the Antos fire all six recoilless rifles at once? Yes. Oh, I'd hate to be. Down. Have you not played War Thunder? Well, well, hold on. No, no, hold on. We can't use that <laughs> argument anymore because I got my information about the effectiveness of the 106 from War Thunder, which makes me look like an absolute tool. Yeah, you silly goose. <laughs> well, only now. Callum, I, I still hold, though, like, if you were if you were hit by a heat round from one of these and you were, say, a T-54, I don't think it would like it. I, uh, it, I it agree with this. It won't like it. It was just shown to be not, too, not as effective as just a standard 90 mil round or something like that. Yeah, but what's as effective? Like, could it penetrate? I was going to say, there's no way that it didn't penetrate, like, say, a t- uh, you know, obviously ignoring ERA bricks, but, like, 
the heat round from this? How did it not penetrate, say, a T55? Oh, it would. It just didn't. It just wasn't so, effective. So there you it. go. It could knock out a modern MBT. Okay, but <gasps> welcome to this episode of Hill to Die On. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but M50 on toss, like six recoilless ref, six recoilless rifles. Like, come on, that's fucking cool. It's cool. It is definitely one of the neater uh, airborne tanks. That's why the Marines wanted it. Because they're special. Yeah. Damn straight. Not in a good way. <laughs> Bunch of fucking goobers. So, sort of on the subject of uh, oh, very yeah. light. Oh, oh look at that. Weird, there we go. Very weird, like 1950s and 60s era American airborne tank destroyers. Here's the M56 Scorpion, which is not like totally dissimilar, at least from a doctrine standpoint. So this was developed a little bit earlier. This was actually developed between 1950... Well, I should say it was manufactured between 1953 and 1959 by Cadillac. Um, yeah, and basically it was intended only for the airborne forces. It used a 90mm T-54 gun. It carried 29 rounds of ammunition. As you can see, it could literally just be carried by a helicopter. Like, they didn't even need to worry about loading it up. It could be airdropped as well. Um, basically, what you've got here is very little armor it's more or less just like a, a mobile mount for the 90 millimeter gun i must oh, that, say that I has worse than engineer it. i love the m56 almost as much as i love the stug or as dennis likes to say the stew yes um yes it's pretty cool because this had a top speed of 45 kilometers an hour which when you think about that's 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 decent enough when you're in such a little thing Bro, that yeah, bitch only, is gonna get to Berlin in like three days. The only downside is like there's like so little armor on it. You'll be driving at that speed, and the bugs will be going through the windscreen. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. So this was used in Vietnam, like the uh, M50 Antos. It was deployed with the uh, Air 173rd Airborne Brigade, um, and it, they basically they just used this as direct fire support. Right? It was obviously not used to assault places, but it was direct fire support. Um, yeah, now I will say it was replaced by the M551, um, just because obviously it's nice to have a roof. Armor is nice. Um, believe it or not, people actually like that, but it was also used by, uh, Morocco and, uh, it was used there, um, in the Western Sahara war. And it was also made available to South Korea, but they never used it. They're like, in South Korean, you want me to drive in that? Yeah. Look at those big road wheels. They're pneumatic, actually. So those are just rubber tires. You're a rubber so tire. <laughs> <laughs> Each episode has to have one long pause. <laughs> so, does that mean I could drive without tracks? Probably. Uh, I believe no. Oh bullshit! It, it, it still yeah, had like a, it still had a drive sprocket, but the idea was that basically it would just sort of absorb the bumps better because it didn't have really good suspension otherwise. You're gonna learn all about absorbing bumps, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you you watch this thing fire, 
and it's got a 90 mil on the top with basically no weight underneath it, the entire thing jumps like four feet in the air. Yeah. Although I will say, you know, speaking of recoil, I just realized that's not 90 mil. No, that's that recoilless. Is a, that is 106, which actually makes a huge amount of sense for this vehicle. Because then you're not jumping four feet into the air. Yeah, you silly geese. Maybe they got it wrong. Maybe the Antas was supposed to have six ninety millimeters, and this was supposed oh, to have one one hundred six. So moving along, oh, who did what this is one? That? Uh, that's one of mine. What's up, fuck? This thing's cool. American yeah. engineering. So it's the T ninety two light tank. <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> I think it looks awesome. I think yeah, it looks I think awesome. It's cool. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Have you seen this so, in War Thunder? It's, it's neat. Hmm. So this was a... It was supposed to be an airborne or airdropped replacement for the M41, the Walker Bulldog. Uh, they didn't really... It didn't really work. Okay, it should have. I will say this is better than the Bulldog. I mean, look at that. It's got like three turrets. Look at that. It's yeah, insane. so it's got yeah. a uh, a 50, 50 cal, a thirty cal, and the seventy six high velocity. God damn! Engage three different targets at once. It just makes sense. We covered this in the Ram. Uh, fucking so on the American. way. That is incredibly American. Just put a machine. Oh fuck gun yeah, on it is. It, it's like a nineteen fifties version of the M three Lee. You know where you have <laughs> yeah. like three different turrets. Just needs another machine gun. We stick oh, to our fucking traditions around I changed here. what I said about hating it. There's a picture of one in Kark Tan with black. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> yeah. oh. Kark Tan is just modern day Dunkel Gelb. I hate that shit. <laughs> Kark Tan. So, so this only had 10 to 32 millimeters of armor. Hey, that 32 millimeters is a lot, okay? Yeah, what Dennis said. Size doesn't matter. There we go. Look, someone listened to my fucking slide. <laughs> so this also had the same suspension system as the Ontos as well. Although it looks different, the it's got the that weird torso elastic system. Huh. Which is like a sort of half torsion bar half Christie-ish sort of suspension. That's a 60s moment. They were all so high on acid. They were like, well, yo, what if we take a torsion bar, but get this right, we make it elastic. Like, far out, man. Bro, and- fucking. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. But then, uh, so this also featured a semi-automatic loader. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say an American vehicle had an auto loader? Semi-automatic. So okay, so it's semi-automatic, right? That does mean it's legal in the state of California. <laughs> or no, no is the barrel too long? Look the barrel's the, too uh, long. Ah, oh. look how the turret is like. It's got like a UFO turret. But I say it reminds me of like a BMP one turret, but it exploded. <laughs> yeah, I see the resemblance. Oh, this is cool. Um, actually, Tamiya released a kit of it in 1962, and it's Tamiya. one of the first Tamiya plastic kits. No way. Yeah, well, really, right, guys. Uh, we know. I think we know what we need to cop now. Yeah, add it to the Patreon. Yeah, the next group build. 
It's gonna be like the uh, in, it's an Indiana Jones style quest to find the only remaining T ninety two kit. I'm trying to find the scale. It's probably one to thirty five. I was gonna say. I mean, they're for, they stuck with one to thirty five. That's true. I'm seeing people say it's one to fiftieth. Okay, well they Ew. they can go and play with themselves because it's not one to fiftieth. Respectfully. <laughs> no, disrespectfully. Hmm. That is actually kind of neat, though. But, yeah, like, there's not there's not too much about the T ninety two because there's only one prototype ever made. Oh, that's so, a shame. Oh. That's, that's a yeah. really sad. Bring it back. Bring it back, guys. Let's yeah. go. Part two. I wonder how that would fare in today's conflict overseas with some extra armament. Oh, stupid easy. You just add, you know, like a crow's mouth there. You maybe add the crow's javelin. You're done. <laughs> Tell <Toe> missile. <laughs> <laughs> now, hear me out. Okay, hear me out. Barrel launched tow missile. What? You mean Mercy. a shillelagh? <laughs> <laughs> Literally just modernize the shillelagh. Make it better. You're a shillelagh. God, God. <laughs> Why do people listen to us? Yeah. They don't. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. right, anyways, yeah, keep anyway, going. Uh, next one. Well, speaking of the shillelagh, uh, I think we have probably like worked out one of the well. most quintessential airborne tanks, uh, especially after the Second World War. Look at this thing. Look at that. Probably one you know how many VC that killed? Oh, yeah. This is probably one of the nicest looking tanks of all time. And you can't change my mind. Also, but then it's a Tiger 1. <laughs> it would take 10 Sheridans to knock out a single Tiger 1. The stug. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I know that a Sheridan can knock out a stug. I admit defeat. Yeah, no shit. Case. So okay, this is right. pretty cool. Um, it's made out of aluminum, which we all know is great for armor armor plating. But I mean, it, it was it's a fairly large vehicle for what it is. I, the museum, the Ontario Regiment Museum, right down a ways from where I live, just got a second one. This one is actually the one I was telling you guys about earlier. That's in full working order. So oh, wow. shout out to the Ontario Regiment Museum for being real cool guys. I but they literally just uh, they they dragged a second one which I think it's in good enough condition where the tracks will turn over, but that's it. And they've left it outside, and I think they're going to restore that one too. But it's it's a big vehicle. like it, It's significant. It's bigger than an M24, I'll put it that way. Damn. Yeah. For being an airborne tank, that's, that is actually kind of big. Yeah. And uh, the idea here was, again, that you would support... Um, you know, air mobile troops. And one of the coolest things I think ever about tanks is that this was designed to be used with something called the LAPES system or low altitude parachute extraction system. So the idea here is basically this on even like a minimal combat load, we've only got a few rounds of ammunition. You've only got a little bit of fuel, right? This thing is way too heavy to just be airdropped at high altitude from say a C-130 like this one, right? Like okay. it's just not going to happen. However, what if you found a stretch of reasonably flat ground, right? That's long enough. Opened the rear cargo door of a C-130 and flew at like 10 feet above and used a parachute to basically pull this thing out and slow it down. So by the time it hits the ground, it slides forward for a couple dozen meters, 
and that's ready to go. So we're basically drag racing tanks now. Essentially, yes. Yeah, Tits. but that, the idea here was that like you could avoid having to think about doing a high altitude drop where this thing's just sort of heading towards the ground for many minutes where it can easily be captured afterwards. This thing can be brought in almost immediately. So the troops say, hey, we need Sheridans at X, Y, and Z coordinates. You could have literally C-130s come in and drop these things and like they would be ready to go. That's pretty tits. Yeah. Um, you know, there. I think we're, next week we're probably going to talk about a lot of the issues with the Sheridan and specifically with the uh, Shillelagh missile. But honestly, it was, of all the tanks we're going to talk about, one of the most successful. It served in Vietnam. Obviously, the lack of armor protection was an issue, but otherwise it was actually well regarded, um, especially because, of course, 152 millimeter canister. Um but yeah, it did well there. Um, after Vietnam, they were used for a variety of purposes. So for instance, they were used as Op4 tanks. Basically, they welded a bunch of uh, metal to these to make them look like T-80s, where they were used basically in exercises to represent you know, Russian tanks. Um, they were used in Operation Just Cause, which we saw a picture of way earlier in the first slide. Um and then they were also used in the invasion, uh, sorry, I should say the first Gulf War. And, interestingly, the Australians trialed them, and they were going to buy them. Ooh. Silly Australians. So yeah, that is the Sheridan. Sheridans are for Americans. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so this slide is just kind of a it's covering not really just one vehicle, but like more of a family of vehicles. So this is the BMD family. And basically the best way of thinking of a BMD is think about the BMPs, right? You got the one, two, and the three, right? Right. Basically all a BMD is for all intents and purposes is a BMP, but designed to be air portable, right? Okay. So it can be uh, dropped by a parachute. In most cases, they're usually landed by aircraft. Um, on, at an airport, and then they just drive away like that, as has become basically VDV doctrine. But yeah, um, they they are inf fully amphibious, and again, they can be also dropped by helicopters, just like the uh, ASU fifty seven and eighty five. So this thing's just a tall BMP. Really, yeah. It, for all intents and purposes, imagine a BMP. It does the exact same thing, but for VDV, and it can be transported by an aircraft or a helicopter. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. Nuclear reactor in a meltdown VDV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's worth pointing out now, one of the uh, main flaws is we're coming to see in Ukraine, right? These things are pretty well armed. Like, I mean, they've got like a 30 millimeter auto cannon. They've got ATGMs. The brand new ones have 100 millimeter guns and auto cannons. Uh, but they have no armor. Like, literally none. I think they can survive small arms fire, and that's literally it. LOL. Yeah. So it turns out that uh, these are not a good idea to drop into heavily contested areas. I mean, could a um, an M250 cow punch through it? Oh, 110%. Like oh even, my god, no it's not even a good occupational vehicle, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. You can take so, this out with a technical. So so really, I mean, like, the best thing, I think if you've got a bunch of these, 
the very best thing you should do is uh, land a bunch of them at a an airport just north of Kiev. And when the Ukraine, uh, Ukrainians absolutely destroy them the first time, you should try it seven more times. And on the eighth time, you will also fail. But yeah, just keep trying. Hey, it, the world will see you're trying, and we will totally wink, applaud you, wink. Yes. That's Russian design. We need. To, we don't need to talk about it. Do something better. Oh, yes, German. The Wiesel. Yep. So the uh, the world's only modern tankette. I think we decided it is. It is a tankette. Yes. It's a tankette. It's a tankette with a twenty mil or a tow missile. It's so cute. Dennis, are you telling me that you missed the opportunity to insert a picture of a weasel with a tow missile? I, no, I because I did this slide and I had intentionally left it out just to annoy him. Oh, that makes sense. I just want to say, look at the uh, Panzer Habits two thousand behind it. Oh, jeez. I mean, the, the the weasel is a two-man... Um, it's only got a two-man crew. Imagine that, you and your boy driving around fucking Poland in a weasel. <laughs> that is life right there. No, no cell phones, just people living in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Running from so, fucking yeah. T-72 HE. <laughs> so, so the weasel is purely just for... Um, Recreation. Com- just about it's really good for <laughs> infantry support but like it's small and it's really small but you can still load up you know it's got a, this one here has got a 20 mil auto cannon so it's good for reconnaissance and whatnot but it can load pretty much a lot of stuff on including you have like mortar carriers you have um the tow missile ones they, they can do some damage you know you you drop a bunch of these in just same as that french bloody four-wheel drive looking thing this is pretty i mean like you think about it like yeah maybe a 20 millimeter isn't a lot to us but like imagine say you just see a like a whole bunch of these pop up in your rear areas right where you've got like no offensive weaponry where everything's unarmored imagine or a bmd <laughs> yeah exactly imagine what these would do to your logistics columns Oh, dude, or like a fucking infantry company or battalion, like just sitting there with like, like an BMP one or something in their like defensive holes or whatever. Dude, that thing would tear shit up. Yeah, and then when once you get spotted, you just drive away it because this thing could do about seventy kilometers. Jesus! Oh <laughs> my! Forty-five miles an hour. This thing could move. So imagine you-, you just catch some fat air with that thing. <laughs> so. If this is a tank yet, that means that it's the descendant of the Carol Veloce 33, right? The Italian CV 33. And it's faster than it, right? So hear me out. This is essentially a CV 33 Super Leggera. This is the GTI. I fuck with it. Yeah. It's All in favor, say aye. 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 All right. All right, moving gonna, on. Uh, now everyone has to redesignate this because we said so. <laughs> <laughs> a, a single CH fifty three C stallion could fly two of these, fully loaded. Jeez, fully loaded too. Like that's something to shake a stick at. You could fly in two at once, and common transport airplanes can f- carry four or more. I mean, how many tanks have we talked about so far that could be brought in fully loaded? Yeah, like none, right? Literally, yeah. 
like you could airdrop you know you get four four to six in a whole bunch per um like transport plane and then you put up about 10 of those up you can drop down a whole bunch of these all at once just good for the germans around. dude <laughs> however um on saying that there is a note here airdropping the vehicle from a plane with parachutes was tested but was not successful Four test vehicles were destroyed. <laughs> uh, was it so, kind of like that Humvee that fell? Yeah. Oh, so some some uh, German sabotaged it as well. So that's Apparently. what happened with the Humvees. Huh. Oh, and Dennis, this is just for you. Germany deployed both types in Somalia. Uh, 1993 as part of the United Nations Forces. Yes, you can you can paint this white. I am going oh, to hell yeah. I am going to paint a beautiful rendition of NATO camouflage, and I'm going to cover it up completely with white. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't wait to see that. When is this happening? I have no idea. When I get the money for the one sixteenth scale, I will say these were also deployed in Afghanistan, which I think is a that's a bold move by the... By the that is a very bold move. Imagine that hitting like a 40-pound IED. There'd be nothing left. Like, they, they're just like... They're oh. showing, we do not fear you. And if it hit a 40-pound IED, it will be airborne. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it comes from the air, it dies in the air. <laughs> it's coming full circle. Dude, I'm building my... Um... Tack on weasel and UN white colors. <laughs> no, you are not. I saw you trying to paint it in NATO flash. I haven't even built it yet. What do you mean? He probably painted it in Kark Tan. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Stop slandering me. No. No, you make it so <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't find pictures of the one with the tow missile in white. Only the 20 mil. Ah, that's okay. This one's cool, too. Probably because a 20 mil is all you need for a peacekeeping mission. Well, I, I assure you. Would like, I mean, the M113 TUA would like to talk to you about I, that. I was about to say, like, imagine you're a, a Canadian in Bosnia and you just have to explain why you're in a, a tow missile carrying M113. Like, yes, I assure you, a tow missile is absolutely necessary. <laughs> the peace will be kept, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. we, we just have to be sure that they don't show up with a T-72. We will peace keep you into oblivion. Yeah. I will peace keep you from 2,000 meters away. <laughs> so, what happens when you take an ASC-57 and a BMD, you lock them in a room together, and you check back nine months later? <laughs> oh, it's a little spurt. <laughs> 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 this is the 2S25 SD. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So basically, this is. <laughs> I guess you could call it an airborne tank. I believe it's actually defined as more of an airborne tank destroyer. But essentially, what this is, is this was. They began developing this back, I believe. Like the concept came out in the 90s. And the idea here is that. You have a, again, no armor. This is supposedly a proof against 23mm autocannon fire at 500 yards. I don't believe that for a moment. Damn. So, again, no, basically no armor. 
but it's a similar oh crap it's a similar sort of design to the uh to the bmds right you've got these really narrow tracks it's got a really lightweight uh like just sort of structure to it and again partially because it's got no armor but one thing it does have is the same uh cannon off the t72 and the t80 right oh, so basically the idea is that this kidding. is for the vdv to have as like uh, more or less the firepower of a tank, but it can still keep up with them by being air mobile, and it can be airdropped. It's also fully amphibious. That's typical of the Russians. Yeah. Now, this has been manufactured between 2001 and 2010, and again, uh, between 2018 to the present. Much like a lot of Russian vehicles, like, say, the uh, T-14 Armada, they like to roll them around the parades. They haven't been seen all that much. Um, they have been deployed a few times. They are in Ukraine, supposedly. I'm sure they've probably been knocked out already. I about to say, we'll probably see it on that website here soon. We we, we definitely will. Saw but, the T90M, I think it's what it's called. Did, the, yeah, and guess what yeah. knocked that out? It was a uh, Canadian Carl Gustav that knocked that one out. You're fucking oh, kidding. Nice. nice. Imagine you're like the single most advanced Russian tank ever. And you get knocked out by a Carl Gustav that's been sitting in some like Ottawa barracks since 1955. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking amazing. Like a quick anecdote here about like the, the armament of this thing. Greg, remember in Squad when you shot down that Blackhawk with the uh, ATGM? Fuck yeah! This thing has the same thing. It's got ah! the same system. They need to bring this to Squad. Yeah, but like everything... Uh, that's Russian. It's it's vaporware. I, I it it's, it probably doesn't actually exist. That we true. can ignore it. Russian for something more interesting. Who did this one? Uh, this is me again. So this is the M8 AGS armored gun system. So this is also known as the Buford for some reason. What the fuck? Okay. But it was a so this is a light tank intended to replace the M fifty five one A one Sheridan. This is a light in the eighty second. Yes, it's supposed to be a light tank. That that's. Mm. Hey, me if uh, the uh, the sprut from the previous slide can be considered the light tank, I think this one could be as well. You know the uh, that Jerry Springer show where they pull out like "You are not the father" type shit. I would like to see one one of those with this if it's an official light tank or not. Because I'm I'm a little suspicious. I have a question: Has it driven up on that ledge to give the gun more elevation? Because like, did the bishop oh, no. do that in World War Two? Uh, the bishop did that. Also, Sherman's did that in Korea. So did Pershing's. Pershings. <laughs> Pershings. But yeah, this so this was supposed to replace the Sheridan. Um, however, they decided to cancel this one in favor of tow missiles and in uh, Mark 19 grenade launchers on Humvees. Fuck yeah. Dude, Mark 19s will tear shit up. Yes, sir. Tow missiles. Yes, sir. <laughs> Wait, this is American? You didn't know yes. that? Das is Americana. That's America. It looks like something the British would come up and like. Hey, first respect on the British. They would never make something this horrible. <laughs> the Ajax. But I mean, okay, you well, can yeah, you can tell yeah. it's American. It's got a fifty cal on the top. I was yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's actually really true. It's called the M8. 
<laughs> the yeah. M1 AGS, just like the M1, the M1, and the M1. Yeah. Don't but... forget the other seven M1s. Or the uh, the M3 and the M3 and the other M3. Oh, and there's like two other M8s as well. See, this is what confused me. Look at the drive sprocket in the rear. It looks like a Challenger 2 drive sprocket. Well, maybe America, like everyone else and their mom, like steal shit from everyone else. So, you ever think about that? No. Yeah, I, I didn't. didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just, so, my attention. so, I'm just having a look at the stats. So the main aunt, so the main gun on it is the XM thirty five, hundred and five millimeter. Bleh, forgotten how to speak. It's got a one hundred five caliber. Um, it's called a soft recoil rifled gun. It's like what? What the hell does that mean? You, like you know you're going to get something weird when the name starts with the XM prefix. Well, that's the prefix for experimental. So exactly. But, ooh, it's got a modular armor level system. Ooh. Yeah, I was Fucking just America. that. So it's In got, the- so your basic level one armor package consists of ceramic armor tiles, which uh, protects your vehicle against small arms fire and shell splinters, designed to be, <laughs> designed for the rapid deployment role and can be airdropped with a all-up weight of 39,800 pounds. Then you have level two armor package, consisting of additional plates of titanium, hardened steel, and expanded metal, with an all-up weight of 44,270 pounds. Uh, This one could be carried by a C-130, but could not be airdropped, though the level one package could be airdropped. And then you have level three armor consisted of bolted-on armor boxes and designed for contingency operations and provides protection against Light handheld anti-tank weapons and level 3 armored AGS systems cannot be carried by C-130s. Total weight is 52,000 pounds. So, hold on, hold on. They literally have created the Abrams with the the Tusk system. Like, quite literally. They they are just making it heavier and heavier and heavier. Yeah, it's American. Of course they are. Yeah, but it's all modular. So, yeah, you take it off and on. Depending on what you're doing, so oh, it's, oh that's not a bad idea. IKEA tank, yeah, <laughs> IKEA tank. <laughs> oh, and also, you would see one of these rolling around with like the most insane armor package you've ever seen. Like, <laughs> it's like somehow four times heavier than the original tank. Got that custom armor package? Here, I'm gonna send a picture to podcast planning of one with all its mod- modular ERA armor. It's let's see it. It looks cool. I mean. Oh, that actually is kind of neat. It looks kind of like a leopard C1A2. Maybe that's its dad, and it just ran away. <laughs> and got painted in cark. Unfortunately. I'm just, so I'm also just looking. So it's armed with the Water Valette Arsenal XM35 rifled autoloading 105. No, no. Yeah. And it's got a... So it had a fire rate of 12 rounds a minute and a full ready capacity of 21 rounds. All in the carousel conveniently placed right <laughs> in the ring under the turret. Uh, the oh, we didn't is learn fed, anything. It's fed by a 21 round magazine, by a rotating 21 round magazine. 
It is a T-72. Basically. Perfect. We did well, this to be fair with of, the Russians. Instead of them lying down, they're all actually um, standing vertical. So great. That means that there's more like area to hit. Oh, it also means that they're all going straight up when they go off. So that, that turret's going even higher. <laughs> I mean, some by of them NASA. are laying uh, horizontally and some are angles. I sent a picture where you can see the animal layout. It's such a. It, it doesn't look like a light tank. This thing's cool. So, this, the ZBD03. It's uh, a Chinese knockoff of the BMD3, basically. It's perfect. There's nothing bad to say about a, China. This is what happens when you order a BMD3 off of AliExpress. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So it does have a 30mm autocannon, a coax machine gun, and anti-tank missiles. So it's kind of just your standard IFV, really. It really is just a copy of the BMD, eh? Yeah, but it can't. So this one can be airdropped as well. Well, to be fair, China copies everything that fucking Russia does, so it's not surprising. And America, they copy the Americans That's a true. lot. I have nothing bad to say about China. This this podcast has nothing bad to say about the great country of China. Jack is a CCP agent. <laughs> yep, just Get empathizing. <laughs> Next slide. Well, if we're going to empathize with the Chinese, welcome to the uh, Type 16 mobile <laughs> combat vehicle by, by, made by the dominant Asian power, Socket China. Dennis, um, Dennis I, be I, careful what you say. I know, I, I am not. I am, I, I am obviously not going to acknowledge uh, the Second World War. I only acknowledge the Japanese government after 1945. Well, uh, dude, as I just said, I acknowledge it only after it was remade by America. So really, this is all just American. All this basically slap slap Kark Dan on it in the big uh, white. No, stop, stop right there. That's how American. No, 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 no. Kark Tan (laughs) can go fucking die. (laughs) Come on, you guys can't look at these paint schemes and tell me I'm wrong. You can't tell me that this is the coolest thing you've ever seen. Oh yeah, those are sick. Um, Looks like the cover of like World of Tanks, except for World of Planes. Yeah. So basically, um, what this is is it's a, it's kind of similar, I guess, in the in the doctrine to the Striker uh, gun system, the other one hundred five millimeter assault gun. Uh, this is right. a one hundred five millimeter uh, L seven, which is the same one we saw in the Centurions, with this really cool look at that spiral missile break. That's cool. Um, but basically, the idea of this is that. It's not really like truly airborne in the sense you can drop it, but the idea of this is that it's designed to be driven onto these tiny little cargo jets, and then it can be just dropped off really quickly at island air bases. It doesn't need to be an airport; it can just be like a stretch of grass. Okay, that's um, cool. But these are also convenient. interestingly, they're probably one of the only modern tank destroyers out there, even though they're not actually called that. They're more or less a tank destroyer, kind of like the Sinjaro. Also, they have ceramic armor and can survive a Kroger stop hit. Don't China have a version of those as well? Uh, really? They, 
they have a version with the howitzer. Right. Oh, okay. did I mention this can reach 100 kilometers an hour? Oh, shit. Holy shit. And oh. it's also street legal, so they have to carry license plates. Actually? Yeah. JDM. You're going to see that on the next Tokyo Drift. It's <laughs> fucking JDM. Dude, we're going to Japan, and we're rocking one of these. Yeah, get that. Yeah, and then the fucking Jap military is going to come and kill us. Yeah. <laughs> friends of the show. An, an MMP logo on the side. Yeah. Thinking oh, yeah, it. I'm sure that'll clear everything up. <laughs> <laughs> we are Americans, dude. Hey, 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 speak for yourself. Speak for yourself, buddy. Yeah. No, no, no. We are an American podcast. Uh, I don't know about that American one. podcast. No. <laughs> yeah. Kelvin's <laughs> nice. I'm kidding, fellas. We're a multinational organization. <laughs> you win. NATO. <laughs> hey, can we wait 20 years and get this imported? Uh, yes, we can. Um, but it is a uh, right-hand drive, just uh, so you know. Okay. So well, going through like the drive-through will be pretty hard. You'll have to go in backwards. <laughs> no, you got to get the uh, guy in the turret to reach out. I'm about to say that's what the TC is for. Yeah. But yeah, um, this is sort of I think one of the uh, neat things about what Japan's doing because like more or less all of their tanks, but specifically this, are designed to be air portable, so like they can be lifted off into the islands in a matter of hours. Uh, yeah, they're just pretty cool. And I, I think this is sort of the way that you're going to see a lot of heavier armored fighting vehicles becoming kind of like quasi-airborne tanks where they can't be airdropped per se, but they can still be put onto an aircraft really quickly and just sent anywhere they need to go. Also, just want an excuse to post cool photos of this. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, yeah, here's a handy little uh, alignment chart. If you're ever trying to figure out if it's an uh, airborne tank or not, there you go. <laughs> the Prius. Beautiful. I'm sorry, I was just waiting for you to notice the Toe Iltis. Oh no, I noticed that, but I, I, the Toe Prius just stands out so much more. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that was airborne tanks. Fucking tits. Well, it took us an hour and a half to talk about them all. But what a glorious hour and a half that was. We got every single one. Right? Okay. <laughs> Here are the models of them. So this is just something I kind of looked up airborne tank models on the internet, and this is sort of like a smattering of what we've got. Um, Obviously, you've got the weasel toe. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Or you could say that's a spurt of what we got. Oh, we should do a uh, airborne tank group build. We should do that. Uh, Don't even acknowledge what Ezra just said. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd probably build the Type sixteen and the uh, and the Locust. Like that's just so cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, I definitely want the AML ninety. Yeah, I'd want the uh, Locust and the Tetrak. Actually, though, looking at their uh, box art, it looks like they're looking—they're facing each other with the same Hamel car in the uh, in the air. Oh yeah, that is kind of neat. Dennis, I know you're just circling that Prius. <laughs> Prius. There's a reason why I chose that and not the Tamiya box art. <laughs> oh, great heavens! Apparently, the uh, 
I think that's B model. Apparently the B model BMDs are supposed to be half decent. I wouldn't know. Well, that was airborne tanks. Here's this week's Hill to Die On, where Ezra's going to come on with a pretty, I, I shall say, pretty debatable take, and we're going to crucify him for it after. Okay. So, my take is that Ravel and Ravel Monogram don't make, you know, horrible kits. Some of them are fairly decent. And do not look at all of these pictures I've inserted and think that. Those are Ravel models I built with my current skill level. Those were just to fill up space. But, okay, sure the, Ravel, the Ravel monogram F4 Phantoms were probably the best out there when they came out. Their detail was overall really nice. And they fit together fair, fairly well, except for the normal Phantom intakes that plague most kits. And Have you built the monogram pattern? No, I've seen the box art and I've shied away from it. I don't want you, it to ruin me. Yeah, you 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 might want to shy away from it if you like monogram. Yeah, I will. Who does oh, it for years? And then you can see some pictures of one of my first aircraft models I built. Actually, it's the Ravel Lancaster. Super old boxing. In the Bombay, the bombs were literally like. They were just molded onto the plate of the Bombay. So they're essentially flat. That's actually fucking horrible. Oh my god. It is horrible. Nice. Nice. That's what I like to expect. <laughs> um, you can note the horrible seam lines that I have not filled or sanded. The silver to hell decals. But overall, their kits are fairly nice. And... They released humongous kits like the 172nd CO Gatto class and Flower class Corvette, which I have. They're not half bad. He says as he points out the massive seam line, the silver decals, etc., etc. <laughs> Those were my like, fault. They, these aren't bad. It's like this is not a bad kit apart from all of these. <laughs> no, but you see, I did that to myself. I I glued them together with like super glue. Oh, uh, Ezra, I don't really know if you can blame the decal silvering on you necessarily. Or the uh, I can't actually because you see that black bottom. I don't think I painted it. I think that's just bare plastic. What? It's okay. got a, it, it does have a slight greenish tinge to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and the bombs aren't even like completely painted. Ugh. Yeah, I've just seen. I've just seen like a lot of stuff about Ravel is just not good at all. Like a lot of reviews are just going like, if there's a this, if there's a Ravel kit and something else, get something else. I will. That's yeah, fair. that's what I've heard too. But, I yeah. can't believe I'm coming to Ravel. Well, not yeah, really. I'm not coming to Ravel's that. defense on this one. I'm coming to Monogram's defense because Monogram is a what? great American company. No. no, no, no. Hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Every Ravel kit I have built is absolute hot, steaming garbage. However, Ew. the Monogram 1 to 32 scale F4 Wild Weasel 
was actually quite nice and I converted it fairly easily to a Japanese F4 EJ and I was able to do that really cool paint job on it. So you know what? If you don't care too much about accuracy and you just want like a nice big canvas for painting, the, like the very last monogram kits were actually somewhat decent for that. Because like I even mean, though the detail wasn't good, they fit together pretty well. And they were like canvas, 20 bucks. Speaking of canvas for painting, I mean... That PZH 2000 I just finished, and I think it turned out fairly well. And that was the Ravel kit. Was that Ravel of Germany, or was that Ravel monogram? It was Ravel of Germany. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. I pretty much built it out of the box. The only thing I did was sculpt a... Uh, the um, It's not a mantle cover. I guess... The baggy thing around the end of the barrel. The right. canvas. Yeah. I you sounded I'm really gonna... unsure there. I, I I the name's on the tip of my tongue. Um not the blast bag on the front. But I don't know. Anyways. Um I'm the gonna... box, it turned out pretty well. Oh shit. I keep interrupting you. Uh, I am going to go to Ravel's defense on this one. Uh, Because, well, their uh, somewhat recent uh, 172nd scale kits are really cheap and also not that bad. Like, uh, well, Dennis has seen the... um, the Chilean martyr that I did that was that was a Ravel one seventy second, and yeah. that was display case worthy. Yeah, exactly. How much are they paying you? Uh, they are paying me right now about five dollars a month just to keep it there, which I think is pretty you know, pretty decent. <laughs> no, that, that was for Jack to uh, come to their defense. Ah, see, they paid you, Dennis, to cover for Jack right there, but I I see through the lies. I'm bringing the. Uh, they're paying me twenty a month. I'm bringing the big bucks. Uh it, no, it was it wasn't that bad though. Uh and like I think I picked that kit up used for like five bucks. That's See, kind that's of a steal. Bad. Yeah, right? They're they're cheap kits. And uh I'm working on a Ravel uh Ausvind as well. And it's actually a really good kit. It uh it has like an optional Panzer IV turret and all that. Well, hmm. you're getting uh, homeboy over there excited. <laughs> I like Panzers. I like Stugs. But can you turn it into a Stug? <laughs> I mean, you can turn it into a Stug four. Here we go with the Stugs. Well, that Actually, was the hell to die on. <laughs> Before we wait, start wait, talking wait, about wait. Stugs. Tidbit, <laughs> yeah, wrap it up. End about, it. Uh, fun tidbit about the. The Lancaster, I painted all of the black glass on it with a Sharpie marker. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, we're getting dangerously close to talking about Stugs. This is this week's work <laughs> in progress. Uh, just right, before go. that, I've, yeah. so I've actually got to leave the podcast now, so enjoy the rest of the uh, episode, guys. I'll catch you next time. One man Thank down. Thank you for enjoying right. and yeah. Thank you, taking Cal. part. Yep. Thank you for your sides. <laughs> and I'll catch you guys next time.
course, brother. We'll catch you later. See you. See you next week. Hey, how long do you think we'll have left? Twenty minutes, thirty, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be the coveted three-hour episode. Oh. I got twenty minutes. I'm here all night, baby. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I have nowhere to be. Greg, I see you've made the uh, the you've made the uh, beard special over here. Oh fuck! I didn't even realize. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm over here eating my fucking food. Yes, yes. Welcome to my work in progress. Uh, this is part one, as always. So this is my work in progress Ukraine diorama, finally wrapping up, with the exception of the tank. Uh, so as Mr. Dennis had said, the beard special. Uh, you see there on the old Taliban, Chechen, Ukrainian, whatever beards are superior. I don't care who you are. Uh, heads up, DOD, you should switch our fucking beard shit so I can grow a beard. Anyways, uh, so yeah, this is my work in progress Ukraine dio. The top center photo is four combined, and it's basically kind of showing the top left is PVA glue with super fine grass flock that you can get at any hobby store. And basically, I let that dry, added a little bit of Timia cement afterwards to help it hold. And then I got burnt umber paint, made it super, uh, super runny, and then just gently tabbed it on and made some beards. So that way, uh, my guys had some diversity and they all weren't looking like cancer patients. That's actually so. a super good idea. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, damn, how do I... Like, how do I make these guys look different? Because the heads that came with, like, four of them were all the same. And so mm, they were going to be with... Oh, no. Yeah. They were going to be with hoods and a face mask, which just does not fit Ukraine. It would fit, like, a zombie apocalypse deal, but this is... I mean, it's fucking... It's an apocalypse, all right, but it's not a zombie apocalypse. Now, that being said, uh, I had the beard idea, so... Uh, a while back, I tried using cotton balls to kind of thin them out and like crumple them and whatnot. That obviously didn't work. But uh, yeah, that's my homemade beards. And then my homemade uh, road sign there on the bottom left is an actual road with an actual road sign with actual distances for said uh, major cities. It's Donsk. I don't know the fuck to say that. Mariupol. So thought that was really neat and then the sporadic camouflage very nice danke then uh part two would be the left hand side is the one of two official ukrainian army troops uh my second attempt at making them because the first one looked like chinese camo it was awful um but uh yeah, you got that guy looking through binos on the left. Then on the right side, you got the second Ukrainian official service member with uh, kind of... So, give a little backstory for the whole diorama. This is like whenever Solinsky put out that troops or men had to stay and fight, this is one of those units with official Ukrainian military service members as advisors. So, they're kind of... Over there talking to the civilian populace, an official 
member of the Ukrainian military plus a uh, volunteer. I guess you can consider them conscripts, but mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Uh, but kind of like the conscript NCO and the and like the uh, the Ukrainian NCO over there getting information from the, the little girl showing off like a, a a bandage wound and all that and try to tell a story. Made custom slings. Uh, tried putting as much detail as possible. It was it was a good time. Nice. That's awesome. Thanks, fellas. Uh, for me, my works in progress is I finally finished up the Char B1 project. Finally. Oh my god, it's taken like half a year for, to do this. Beautiful. The rest of water has great, finally cured. Yeah, yeah and uh, nice. I think honestly, all things considered, I learned how to make trees. I learned how to use the resin water. I even did a bit of streaking with homemade muds. So, I mean, it's not bad. Definitely could have been worse. And right now, I just started working on stash clearance. So, I've got this Rich Models uh, Universal Carrier Wasp, which is the flamethrower. Um, and that I basically started working up on doing the running gear, which is tedious as heck, but it does look nice. And uh, I've decided that I'm going to make it as one of the Canadian wasps that helped uh, cross the Leopold Canal in the Netherlands by literally burning the other side. Fucking idiot. That's awesome. Uh, I tried to choose like the most gangster thing I could uh, find on the internet, and there we are. That's pretty gangster. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. Here we start my long slide of pictures. So I'm working on my little IBG TKSP as captured by the German Luftwaffe. And here you can see my headlights that I meticulously drilled out and then filled with a clear gloss. Um, And on the right, you can see how they looked before when they were just painted silver. I'll let you, you know, figure out which looks better. But I tried to go for like a dirty tinted look like you see on cars headlights. I don't know. For a winter setting like that, dude, you got it. Thanks. I it was really stressful, but they came out very nice. Especially the top one. Um yeah, I can't wait for the whole thing to come together. This yeah, kid's can... fought me every step of the way. Question for you, Ezra, where'd you get the plinth? I bought it off Amazon. It's a Green Stuff World. Green Stuff thing. World. I want to remember that. Yeah. This was, I think, the biggest one they had. And you said it's 1 to 35? Yes. Oh. Ah. Hmm. So it's tiny. But of course, full interior. You've got two figures for that, right? I do. I'm debating if I'm going to put them in or not. Do it. Do it. But then I'll cover up my interior that I spent like 20 hours scratch building parts for. Do it. That's that's fair, actually. Uh, <clears throat> can you put them on the outside of the tank? One figure. No, there's not enough space. That's sad. Mm. And here we have my Ferdinand 150-100. That's Finally fucking beautiful. Done. Thank you. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Like, look at the dust. Try to have it look, you know, straight out the factory. God. It might be a little too dirty, but... No, that's I fucking gorgeous. Like My favorite part is the uh, rope. 
around the barrel in the back where they put foliage. How did you uh, do the rope there? Was it actual like string or is it wire? It's string from my Ravel 172nd skill Gatto class sub that I'm not going to use. Ooh, okay. Yeah, just tied it around and boom, done. Took five minutes. How did you do that uh, oil spill at the front? That was actually done with acrylics. Was it actually? I used, what is it? It's Army Painter Strong Tone with a really fine brush and just brushed it on. Oh. Nice. Yep, all of the that is impressive. Acrylic. Holy shit! So there was no return if it turned out bad. What about the um, the tedious uh, writing? Okay, so I bought from Amazon some really cheap Chinese decals, but I mean they look fairly good, but the bottom row of the main text totally ripped off. So that's all hand painted. Holy oh. hell. Yeah. How long did that take you? Like an hour. You're kidding. That's it. Yeah. It was Bro, that would have taken me like three days. I rushed a little on tiger, but yeah, it's okay. I honestly, God thought you might've gotten decals from Dennis. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, no. <laughs> you think that I can print white like that? <laughs> <laughs> I have faith. And I, uh, you can move on to the next slide if you want. I used the forbidden pigments on this for once instead of my normal all enamel routine. There's nothing wrong with pigments, Ezra. Uh, I think it's just the fact that they can rub off really easy. And if you get a fingerprint, you're you're screwed. That's why she left me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think the pigments turned out amazingly. Very nice, very good. And um, oh, you can see the little sil. Oh, sorry. That's oh, fine. You can see the silver ring around the back end of the barrel. I don't oh, know. yeah. Yeah, that's 6 like Oh, dude, that's nice. Yeah, you can see it better in the other picture, but yeah, I thought that was a nice little touch. It took like five minutes. That's a very nice touch. Yeah. And all the teeth of the drive sprocket, um, they've been highlighted oh, yeah. with silver as well. So is this, dude, that's... Taken, is this from a photo? Yeah. Yep, yeah, there's an actual Ferdinand that looked like this. Wait, how long have you been working on this again? Mm, September. I and how how many times have you posted this on Instagram? None. Okay, never mind. I'm about to say I think I saw you post this, but it probably somebody Did else. Val do one of these or something? No. Or someone Val's brother. Did he's done a bunch of Ferdinands. I don't think he's done a uh, 150 100 though. Huh. Nice. It's it's incredible. Thank you. It was originally going to be in Dunkelgelb with the um, two tone camo, but I just couldn't get it looking right, and then the decals tore. 
So I put it away for like three months. And when I came back from ArmorCon, I was like, oh, there's that one that was painted all red oxide. So then I, you know, painted it like this. And I'm happy I did. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome, man. Thank you. Finally, another German thing. <laughs> Where about? The Ravel PZH2000. <laughs> finally done. I picked this up in ArmorCon in October. It's. I had a really fun time adding all the mud and dust. That looks like a fun build, dude. Like, honestly, that itself, just the vehicle alone, looks like yeah. a fun put together. These pictures don't show it well, but it's huge. It's a humongous model. You should get, like, a, not to be that guy, but you should get, like, a Tiger 1 input next to it because everyone knows how big a Tiger 1 is. You think I have a Tiger 1 built? I've never built yeah, a Tiger 1. Yeah, I do think you what? have a Tiger 1 built. Dude, you're kidding. I've never built a Tiger 1. I am actually genuinely surprised. He's yeah. too busy building Stukes. Exactly. That's, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Or his Panzer three chassis. Damn, the, I am baffled. There's only, I think, three aftermarket parts on this, which aren't even aftermarket. Um, it's the the blast bag is from Meng, because I have their PZH2000 kit as well. I'm going to be building up. The tarp on the turret is from Tamiya. And the MG3 Tamiya. is from... It's either or tomato, tomato. <laughs> and then the MG3 is from Meng as well. But yeah, overall, super fun build. I like the bent over antennas. Oh yeah, those those came like in the kit. No, no, I made them out of guitar wire, and I actually tied the knots and tied them down with tension. Oh, sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty neat, dude. That's Thank you. that's really neat. Yeah. Well. No. We've got an option here, guys. We can either yes. spend time talking about what we would, what advice we give to people who are thinking of getting into modeling, or we can make all of our many dozens, thousands, even of uh, listeners wait until next week. Or we're talking next about week. this. We're yeah, talking about week. this on the next live week. stream yeah. tomorrow. Next week. Yep. You guys are going to. We'd like to do a little thing here where we uh, tease you a little, you know, because we love our listeners so much. Uh, we're taking after women. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Embracing the inner femboy. <laughs> yes. Or okay. in Greg's case, furry femboy. You can... We'll talk offline. Watch. watch. <laughs> Join our Discord so that you can hear Greg berate Ezra. <laughs> It'll be worth it. You fuck it! <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, that was a podcast. Yeah. It was a podcast, indeed. We only uh, took one casualty this time. <laughs> Correct. Thank God. It's a shorter episode, too. Our last ones have been, like, close to two and a half hours. Did you hear the silly goose? Oh, my God. It's one of our shorter episodes. Meanwhile, Callum's, like, slaving away in the uh, coal mines, just, like, trying to edit all of them in time. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. 
Hey, what's that red panda doing with all that cheap extra thin, though? <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just a oh, red panda just high in his mind. <laughs> well, he was high on live to begin yeah, with. Yeah, I was going to so. say, red pandas are high, like just the, the high. It's they're like, no, officer, it's high. How are you? Donor <laughs> <laughs> pandas. Just imagine a little red panda at a workbench building a Tamiya kit. I'm telling you, we need to do this thing where we turn red pandas into like the symbol of armor modelers. Yes. I'm all about it, dude. I, I saved those pictures you sent of the fucking red pandas and the tanks. There you go. There you go. I'll post on our on our Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Red pandas are like tank modelers. Like you if if we were like they are a spirit animal, you know? Just a Red Panda takes a huff You're of extra thin and starts to furry territory. This is not furry territory. This is not like I'm it's not a mascot, like... not a furry. It's, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> I think Ezra's a little obsessed with furries. <laughs> Ezra, you're projecting a bit there, bud. <laughs> oh, he's laughing. He's laughing to hide his. No, 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 that no, was no, a no, very no, high pitched no, no, laugh, no, no. too. So it's just the it's the gay stuff. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> What gay stuff are you talking about? I I don't recall any gay stuff. Do yeah, you? Do you? Ezra, Ezra, what's going on here? Why are you? Yeah, Jack, do you? Do you, you recall anything gay? I, I I I haven't heard anything now. Oh, that's weird, Ezra. Yeah, that's weird. It's strange. Ezra. Uh, sus. Well, this is where I sign off now. Thanks for the great stuff. podcast, everyone. No, 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 no. You can't just do that. I'm the guy who closes the podcast. We go on as long as I say we do. I've got all night. What about you guys? Yeah, I've got all night. No, no, um. I'm Jack leaving. only has like five more minutes. Jack, you've yeah. got all night to talk to, to uh, talk to Ezra about his sexuality, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like a ten-hour episode. Like by the by, the third hour, we've just got Ezra under like the the swinging <coughs> flash. Like swing that should be our new ball. segment. <laughs> oh God. We're gonna we're gonna send Callum the fucking audio file. He's gonna be like, "Why the fuck is it eleven hours long?" But listen, this is our, the golden episode. No, every yeah, week we talk about me episode. crying, screaming, "I'm not gay, guys." Oh, we don't care about that. We care about you turning us into furries. You're doing it to yourselves. We're not getting turned into furries. Not you, Jack. It's not saying and uh, Greg. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> all right. We, we still have to figure out what Jack is, because I'm, I'm a femboy. Ezra's gay, and Greg's a furry. Like, Don't! God damn it, no! <laughs> what, what, what's Jack? The Jack oh, of all wait, traits. Wait, hold on, hold on, no, but on. I, I, remember, I remember. He's the uh, Instagram beauty influencer. I forgot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah! Dude, I saw your uh, your profile the other day. I was like, what? I, I did not <laughs> expect Jack to uh, to be modeling. Dude, Hell yeah. The, the girl it's, boss. it's modeling and modeling. Girl boss moment. I'm all for it. <laughs> okay, well, if you've survived up until the one hour and 55 mark, uh, thank you so much. It was a truly a pleasure getting to talk about weird tanks being thrown out of perfectly good aircraft. Uh, this is the Micro Machines podcast. See you later, guys. Adios. See ya.